Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. Hurling on Off the Ball. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. Now you're uh, very welcome, Max. So just the two more weekends to go of inter-county hurling. We have the final in two weeks' time. And our semi-final weekend is very much here. We have Limerick Galway, six o'clock on Saturday. And then Kilkenny against Clare is four o'clock Sunday. So very much a carbon copy of last year's semi-final lineup as Limerick go for four in a row. Very happy to say, Jamesy O'Connor with us uh, once again. Hey, Jamesy. Go hurlings. And uh, got a message from Paul Murphy saying... Hurling pod, it's not up to scratch. Questions average, my co-pundit average. Can we get down <laughs> to some serious business at semi-final stage? So, Paul, I'm more than happy to facilitate. Yeah, it's great relief, to be honest, Joe. So, <laughs> delighted to be on. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe Will O'Callaghan might be listening nearby, so I have to be careful what I say. Oh, I hope he is. I hope he is. Uh, <laughs> come here. It's a strange um, landscape at the moment in TV world and online streaming world. It had escaped my attention until uh, Mick just reminded me outside. So... Am I right in saying you two are on BBC Two Northern Ireland this weekend because they have both semi-finals? That's correct. Yeah, we're just chatting about it before we came on. Okay, very good. So uh, it's hard to keep track of you, Jamesy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joe got the call. Got the call last week. Um, wasn't expecting it, but um, yeah. So asked the question and agreed to agree to join. And nice to be in Croke Park as part of the coverage. You you usually have a, a good view from, from from up there. So yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to working with, with Paul and the lads. Yeah, no, it should be good. I mean, um, we associate BBC so much with the football. So um, good to see a bit of hurling, get some uh, airtime. Uh, semi-finals are curious beasts. Uh, lonely place to lose, quickly forgotten. Your semi-final record, Paul? I, I'm, I'm suspecting not bad. Uh, yeah, to my memory, I don't think I lost one. Uh, lost quarterfinals, all right. Um, but I don't think, uh, to my memory, we lost the semifinals. So, yeah, we were, I suppose we were always very fortunate when we got to semifinals. We probably had that bit of momentum. We always had a bit of experience just through the generation of players that were there that had won semifinals, knew how to close them out because they are a different animal to other games. So we probably always had that bit of experience and youth in them. Uh, and then once you have a few years of building up maybe a bit of a track record of not losing them, yeah. you know, that does feed into the psyche as well. So, yeah, thankfully enough, look, we were lucky enough to, once we got into semifinals, put ourselves in a great position. You know, I even think back to the, the semifinal against Waterford in 2016 and like even bringing that to a replay and closing it out in a replay. So, look, it was, um, as far as we part of good teams that knew how to win semifinals. Yeah, you sure were. Horrible games, Jamesy. At least the final, nobody wants to lose a final either, obviously. But you get the build up. You get the suit, you get the occasion, you're remembered. People can list off the finalists. It's that bit harder to remember uh, semi-finalists. It's kind of a horrible prospect in many ways for players. It is, yeah. And um, look, at obviously the three games against Offaly in 1998, um, I don't want to remember those, Joe. <laughs> and uh, 99, I kind of I broke my arm. And um, so I missed the Munster final against Cork and we, we, we lost that. And I kind of got back for, I think we did you know, playoff against Galway, or whatever, and we we got over that, and we kicked Kenny in the in the ninety nine semi final and lost that. So, yeah, look at you; it's so near and yet so far. And at least, as you say, if if you make the big day, um, you know, you're there on the big stage, and 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 you know, the year is look, you still obviously want to win it, but yeah, semi finals are not the place you want to you, you want to lose. And funnily, Joe, the worst thing you can probably do is shoot the lights out in the semi final. You know, it, their games really, it's all about getting over the line, getting there. Um, having you know things to work on, but you know certainly hoping to have your best stuff for the final. So I've been involved with plenty of teams where we've you know shot the lights out, as I said, and fired in all cylinders in the, in the semi final and just not performed the final, then I lost it. So it's about getting over the line, getting to to I suppose, what's the twenty third of July this year. I was going to say the first one in September, and um, and at least give yourself a chance. Yeah. The other aspect, Paul, here is it's a repeat of last year. We were looking for precedent and I think in 15-16 Kilkenny had Waterford and Galway had Tipperary as well. Is it the kind of thing where in 16 you're like, oh, we had Waterford this time last year. Would you go back and pay any heed to the game the previous year or is that just different world, long forgotten or does it kind of loom large in your thinking? 
Yeah, well, the only reference we would have made to the semi-final in 2015 is that Watford didn't perform really in that game. It was a very flat game, very poor game to watch. Um, and that would have been the only reference we would have made from an emotional point of view that, you know, this Watford team felt they would have left a performance behind them last year, whether they would have beat us or not. They didn't even give it a chance really on the day. And in 2016, you know, very close to beating us in the first match and only for we rallied back towards the end, got a draw and beat them the second day. So, I mean, you could definitely have links between this Kilkenny and Clare game, particularly because Clare definitely will feel that they didn't perform last year. And uh, that game for me is a bit of an, I suppose, an unknown entity at the moment, really, because you, you could look back, you'll definitely look back at Galway and Limerick and say, look, there are parts here. And Galway did put Limerick under the cosh at different stages. But Kilkenny and Clare can't do that with each other. And if anything, it, it bodes more well for Clare because a lot of those players in the dressing room will have more days behind them than they do ahead of them at the moment. And we'll be looking at it and going, look, at we thought when we won 2013 that, you know, the future was bright and it absolutely was. But maybe we haven't, you know, achieved what we should have. And here's an opportunity. And last year, I'm sure, will have left a bad taste. So that's something that definitely the Clare players will be using. And I think the Kilkenny lads will be aware of it as well. But in terms of the actual physical hurling side of it and the tactics, both sides and or all sides will be looking at the last few weeks and few months more so because that's more relevant. Yeah. But from an emotional point of view, you may reference that. And certainly I'd say Watford did it against us in 2016. Yeah. Well, let's start on the Saturday then because first up, six o'clock, it's Limerick against Galway. I mean, there's a degree here of like the walking wounded. You need to set the context who's missing and, and for whom. So uh, Limerick have their uh, concerns. Obviously, they've been without Sean Finn for the season. But Declan Hannan at six is the big talking point. Henry Shefflin has confirmed, by the way, Jason Flynn is now out for the season, hamstring in training. And obviously, David Burke is out uh, as well. But uh, the big talking point, I suppose, Jamesy, from a Limerick Galway point of view in terms of Injuries is who fills in for Limerick at six, who replaces Declan Hannan. Uh, first of all, what's Hannan so good at? What what makes him so difficult to replace? I think just probably his his leadership, Joe. I mean, you know, he's he's obviously in the central pivotal position. I mean, that's sometimes it's not that he does a huge amount in the game itself. I mean, look at obviously he's he's played well. You know, he's got scores going forward. Um, but sometimes there are certain players that you don't really appreciate what they do until they're gone. Um, you know, and the thing falls apart, whatever. I mean, Ollie Baker was like that for us in the middle of the field. I mean, it, you know, he, he might seem at times like he was doing a whole lot, but when he wasn't there, you know, that's when you really fully appreciated the value of him and the little things that he that he did. And I think from a Hannon perspective, you know, he reads the game so well. He's often the guy that's just the link man, given the, 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 the little pass that keeps the thing going. So it's more, I think, in terms of what they have to do to replace him, because, I mean, you know, Dan Morrissey, I think, has been outstanding at fullback. Um you know, I think he's, I, I think really, look, obviously Limerick haven't fired up front, I think, this, to the same extent they have last year. But I think that their full back line, Nicky Quaid, I think, have really been the one line that's that's really, you know, been on top of things and and and, and played really well. So, I mean, I, I think obviously one option is to, is to switch Morrissey, you know, Mr. Dependable, the guy who, you know, will solve whatever problem you've got to shift him to six and bring in Richie English at, at, at cornerback. And I think that's, that's what they're more likely to do. I mean, Rich, Rich English had a really good league. He's tough. He's he's not a guy you'd enjoy spending 70 minutes on at cornerback. The other option then is to, to bring bring in Colin Clockton, either at centre-back or more likely at wing-back, and shift either Burns or, or Kyle Hayes to the middle. Um, so they have they have those options. Now, Coughlin is, look at, he's he's like Burns. He's, you know, six feet four, six feet five. He's really good in the air. He's really good going forward. But he's not exceptionally quick and... You know, I'd have issues about his pace when he's turning going in the other going in the other direction. So they've obviously had time. They've known that Hannon wasn't wasn't going to be available. So they, they've had time obviously to look at the options and and probably go with whoever's going best at um at training. So, you know, it's not like they don't have have the resources um, you know, to replace the guys that they're missing. But it does mean you're having to shuffle the deck and arguably, you know, it limits their options at the at, at the back. I mean, obviously Keane Lynch, there's still question marks as to where his hamstring is at. Mm. Um, you know, but but Carl O'Neill obviously is an option. I mean, David Reedy, you know, got three massive points in the Munster final in the second half. Um, you know, obviously set up the the the, the you know perfect pass for Galan for the, for the goal as well. And and Reedy was the guy coming off the bench that got three points at the death against Galway last year, which was which was what separated the side. So you know, it'd be very very hard on him if 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 he was dropped. But you know, they have options as it up front. Adam English from the under twenties again is a really good player. He's a guy that's going to have a future with them. So. I, I think a, a bit of a bit of shuffling will, will will obviously take place, and and as I said, from my perspective, I think Richie English, 
Dan Morrissey, the centre-back, is, is probably the more likely option. But at the same time, the full-back line has been so good, you want to upset that. So interesting to see what, they, what, 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 what they'll do. But they've had time. They've had four yeah. weeks. It's not like this, he pulled a hamstring on Thursday night and you're, 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 you're trying to make a late decision. So I'd imagine it's one that they've, they've had plenty of time to get right. Yeah, Paul, it's being talked about a lot who replaces Hannon. But I guess we have to find something to talk about the week of a match. So maybe it's taking on like an inflated level of importance in the way we're, we're talking about it. How significant for you is Hannon's absence? Like, is this, is this a big problem for Limerick or no? I wouldn't call it a problem, no. I mean, certainly one of the things we've spoken about with Limerick is the the embarrassment of riches they have really in, in, in many positions. Um, but would I call it a problem? No, I think the reason a lot of people are speaking about it at the moment is because anybody's looking for a chink in the armour with Limerick and any indication whereby we think today could be the day that somebody topples them in a really important match. Uh, and having, you know, their, really their leader not present there in the day, of course, that's going to see as an influence, particularly the fact that Keane Lynch isn't potentially down at the other end or may play a small part, who knows. But I think the significance um, with Hannon missing, like James, he touched on all the points there, like he he directs the show from centre back. And that's something that's very hard to describe in one particular way. Like we would look back, go back at 20 years or James's time, you have Shawnee McMahon in at centre back and, Usually your, your centre-back, let's say, 20 years ago, was your best defender, really. Well, give or take, but yeah. generally that was the idea. But at the moment, you know, centre-back is kind of the person who directs the rest of the people in front of him, left or right, and kind of makes sure that nobody's leaving gaps coming through that defence. And it's like 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 James is saying about Ollie Baker, off the ball, what are they actually doing about speaking to players and getting players in, in, in the right position? Um, like, I've heard a lot of people speak about who might sit into that number six jersey and... You know, like so Will O'Donoghue was mentioned. Like Will O'Donoghue is like, as he's been described, a terminator. Basically, he's he's a savage player. But Will O'Donoghue is the type of player when a ball breaks, he's you know tuned in for the ball and he goes in tackling for the ball. And that type of attribute sitting at six might necessarily suit because the potential to drift from there and leave a gap up through the centre mightn't suit. So like John Kiley um, and Paul Kinnerk might be looking at it, going, okay, well, who's the next person up? who will, you know, is a leader in the centre, who players will listen to and also will have the calmness and the presence of mind during the big parts of the game to hold that position and give the guidance to the players around them. So you're not just looking at it from a point of view of saying who's the best, next best hurler, physical hurler at number six. It's it, There's a lot more attributes to that. And I think what they'll be looking for in a player is that you know, come 70 minutes on Saturday evening that we're not speaking about who was number six because they just did a seamless show. They just went away, hurled their game. I wouldn't be surprised to see like Daryl Donovan there, to be honest mm. as well, because that area of five to 12, like that area and something maybe we don't speak about a whole lot, you need ball winners there, players who can physically get on the ball. And that's a very tough thing to do. Some players, when the game opens up, they find themselves on the ball, but who can win rocks, who can get on it? Daryl Donovan's an excellent player for them. If you look at the amount of possessions Daryl Donovan gets in a game, It'd be around 20, 22, and he might even be nominated for man the match, but he gets on ball, starts an attack, and and, and Limerick uses it as a launch pad. So yeah. I'd look at that for the area where they may look. And I even said the likes of Barry Nash. I wouldn't be shocked to see Barry Nash out there because Richie English is sitting there, and I'd agree with James. Look, Richie English is not to say one of the most underrated hurlers in the country. He's one of the most underutilised. He'd be on any other inter-county team probably in the country. He's an exceptional defender. So there may be an opportunity now to push out the likes of Barry Nash into that position. But it's just intriguing because we've known so many of these the things we've known about this Limerick team have been predictable over the last few years. But now we have one bit of uncertainty. So it is interesting to see what way not only Limerick react, but Galway react to it. Yeah. A uh, couple of texts in, by the way. I, I think, to be fair, Jamesy, you referenced this when we touched on uh, semi-finals. Jamesy, one of the very few people who's won and lost a semi-final in the same year, <laughs> uh, which is a claim to fame. And then, how is James Scale going to feel now that you've clearly picked Murphy as your preferred hurling pod pundit, wonders Graham? Look, he'll get over it. He's a resilient type, Scale. He'll, he'll take it on the chin. I know he will. <laughs> and on Limerick then, generally, and before we get to Galway, 2023's Munster Games. This is Limerick's season, Jamesy. For the team that, uh, you know, couldn't be beaten and John Kiley felt there was a softening up exercise early on. Two-point win against Waterford. I appreciate they were down a man, but still, Waterford weren't at it this year in any great way. Two-point win against Waterford. One-point loss to Clare. Draw against Tipperary. One-point win against Cork. One-point win against Clare in the Munster final. And lots of people increasingly feel Clare left that Munster final behind them. So, um... Like they're they're they can't be comfortable. They can't be thinking, geez, we're we're clearly ahead of the rest here. They they know they are very beatable in a real way this year. I think yeah, Joe, I mean, 
every game in Munster was a was a real battle. And I, I think look at you know the level Limerick set the standard. I think in fairness to the other teams, whether it's my physical preparation or an SNC perspective, tactical perspective, you know all the other teams in Munster have have probably come up to the bar. And um, and, and Limerick with a game probably that everyone targets. Uh, in terms of you know throwing the kitchen kitchen sink at them because of obviously the pain the misery they've inflicted on 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 the, on the rest of us over the last the last five or six years so look there's no question about it I mean you know two three four five years ago they were you know pretty much winning these games you know comfortably I mean obviously saw Cork off very comfortably in, in Park Kiev last year I mean put Cork to the sword in the All Ireland final in 2021 and they haven't been doing that to teams um, now obviously you know are, are they playing. Are they freewheeling to the same extent they were, you know, two, three years ago? I don't think they are. And and a certain amount of that is, you know, can you sustain those levels, you know, five and six years, um, year after year after year? And and probably I suppose look at their parallels with, you know, Paul and Kilkenny in, in terms of, you know, the, the the gray team and the four in a row team heading for five in a row and the challenges that that brought. In terms of just, you know, getting yourself up, Joe, year after year after year with every team, you know, you were there at Ireland finals. So, um, and obviously the injuries then, you know, c- compound that. Uh, but they're still there, thereabouts. I mean, there's there's been no surrender. Every day they go out there, they're still there. Even the game the Clare won in, in, in the Gaelic grounds, you know, that, that game could arguably have gone the other way, had a, had a ball bounce the other way um, on occasion. So you have to admire their resilience. You have to admire their ability to keep going into the, into the well. But at some point, you know, you have to ask the question, what has Munster taken out of them? And... I mean, you know, there were always going to be two big games, whether it was, you know, Galway or Kilkenny in the semi-final or irrespective of who it is in the final, two massive tests still still wait. And and you just feel at some point, you know, is the bucket gonna come up come up empty? Um and I, I just don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna win the All Ireland. And it would be some All Ireland if they do pull it off, Joe. Um, you know, and, and I suppose look at the big dividend from winning the Munster final was the time it bought them, uh, the four weeks, because yeah, you know, to go two weeks play Dublin and then if to go two weeks again you know it might have been a bridge too far but certainly I'd imagine they did nothing the week after the Munster final and obviously you know Kylie spoke in his interview post-match that they knew exactly what the schedule was going to be and there's comfort in that in terms of you know knowing what you had to do knowing what's worked in the past uh, and and knowing then that you know there's a level of comfort of all these guys have been here in Croke Park and they have a brilliant record obviously in semi-finals and, and big matches so like it's all, you know, you can talk all you want about them not being at the same level they were at and been very, very beatable, but someone still has to come and knock them off in yeah. a real big knockout game. And, um, you know, Galway certainly, you know, had the opportunity last year. I mean, this game was level, Joe, after 66 minutes and Galway had the opportunities laid on, didn't take them. Limerick took their chances and that's what that's what made the difference. So, you know, Limerick, I think, the Limerick players know this is going to be probably a one-score game at the weekend. Um, but... At the end of the game last year, Galway blinked, Limerick didn't. Mm. And they still have that innate self-belief, that self-confidence that, you know, when it comes down to squeaky bum time, they're not going to be found wanting and their players will make good decisions and the right decisions on the ball. So, yeah, they're beatable. They're, they're certainly beatable. And, you know, the Munster campaign has shown that. But they're still the champions. And as yeah. I said, you really have to take your hat off to the resilience and the you know, the courage and the mental fortitude that they've shown and had to show in Munster, certainly. Yeah, for sure. And you, you could definitely make the argument that the trajectory is good, that they're getting better as the Munster Championship continues. Do you agree with Jamesy, Paul? Do you see this as one score game territory? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of it does have to do with, I suppose people are talking, but maybe Limerick have regressed a small bit, not to say regress, but maybe they just haven't kicked on further um, away from the pack. I just think the pack has caught up a small bit. Um, You know, teams have had a lot of time to have a look at what Limerick are doing, what way to... I suppose, stem what they're doing and haven't always managed it, but have shown indicators that there's measurables there that you can get at them, um, which, you know, other teams take solace. And exactly what Jamesy said there, like any team, team goes out against Limerick, that's their All-Ireland final. Like if you look at Waterford, Waterford very flat in Leinster, or in Munster. Um, okay, they bet Tipperary, but Tipperary were very yeah. poor that day. But the one day they turned up was, was for Limerick. And that's because any day you face Limerick, you want to get a measure of where you are yourself. And there's no better test than Limerick. So they've been tested really, really hard. But, you know, those one point and two point wins, like they, they weren't accidents either. Like yeah. they, they, they just know there's a trend. Like yeah. they know how to close out the game. And people may say that, okay, Claire threw it away in the last few minutes. You could look at that. You could maybe say that, but maybe, you know, was the experience there just to close it out and it is something that Claire I do believe you know have learned from what they're doing like they're they're learning every day they go out but Limerick 
are at that position, you know, whereas the likes of, let's say, when we played them in 2019, maybe they didn't know how to close out the game there just to get the point ahead, but they learned in the meantime. So, yeah. you know, they know how to be to be smart. They know how to slow it down. They know how to, you know, kick on and they're not afraid to do it. The likes of, you know, you, you can introduce really in these players and as soon as they get on, they have an impact and they score three points. So they just have that quality about them. So, and, and Sorry, I'm curious as you're talking there. In your Kilkenny period, can you remember that nagging feeling or that sense, be it Tipperary or another side, oh, these are getting closer to us. I can, I, I can feel it. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. It must, I don't know, does it, does it create a sense of anxiety or is it extra fuel? But you just must have felt it. And I'd say Limerick players can feel it now. So you might have, have a sense of where their heads are as the pack close in a touch. Yeah, we never pictured it as that a team were closing in. You know, you might face Galway at some stage and you always gave them the respect of saying these lads believe they can beat us and they can if we're off by a percent or Tipperary said these lads, you know, these lads hate us. Like, you know, yeah. and there's a good rivalry and we perform in great matches and any time we play, there's a few, only a point or two in it. So you always had that healthy respect, but you never viewed it from the point of view that you were out in front and that these lads were chasing you because probably an unhealthy place to be because you probably thought you had a bit of room for leeway there to make mistakes. Whereas if you just view that, where are these, this team we're playing, where are they dangerous and where can they hurt us? Yeah. And if you view them like that and know where you're strong and say, right, well, we're going to play Galway physically. They're a very big team. We need to match them physically. We don't need to get drawn into battles here and slow the game down. We need to move the ball quickly. Or if Tipperary would be saying, look, well, we're going to go man for man here. You know, they have excellent players. We have excellent players, but we're going to try and tie down Corbett or whoever. So like different games took on different things. But I, I always felt um, it was probably it wasn't beneficial to think that, well, we're ahead because yeah. we won the All-Ireland last year. We're ahead because then you think, well, I can afford to make a few mistakes because, you know, we just we just have that bit of that bit of room. So, um, and I, you know what? I can see indications from what Limerick are doing. If you look back after the Munster final, Daryl Donovan said, you know, everybody wrote us off. And I believe him. That's what he, he fully believed that, even though we were all, you know, as a public, we were going, you know, no, we weren't writing you off. Yeah. Or you see Kylie as well stoking the fire saying that, you know, you know, trying just saying a few comments that would get a reaction. Because you don't want to be comfortable. You don't want to get comfortable where you feel that everybody loves us. You know, we're capable of beating everyone because that's the day you get caught. Yeah. So emotionally, you're keeping yourself out of that pocket where you, you want people to feel that they're against you. You want the crowd to feel they're against you, the referee. You want you want all that because you'll stay on edge, you'll mm. stay fiery and you know, you're also not pushing it so far that you're getting down on yourself thinking, oh, the whole place hates us and we're not going to get anything. So, well, you know, when I saw that, I could see... I, I saw could the see... parallels. The only difference being everybody did hate Kilkenny, whereas I think yeah. people do like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamesy Galway then is a final um, word on this game. Uh, the win against Tipperary, so the, the, the bitter pill of that Leinster final defeat, last minute goal. They play tip. People are kind of saying, I, like, I, I felt it myself, geez, can Galway regroup and have Tipperary, who we expected more from, then Limerick, then a final. That's going to be very tough. Tipperary proved to be very flat. Uh, Carl Mannion, from memory, cleaned up, got on a lot of ball in defence. The the kind of worry for Galway would be that the scoreline flattered Tipperary, that they almost kept them in the game too long. They were eight points up at one stage and allowed Tipperary back into it. Uh, Connor Whelan, in great form, scored 1-4. But they had 18 wide so I think a 50% conversion rate so look it was a win and an important win but uh, a lot of room for improvement there as well it'd be the sense maybe that's just where they want to be I don't know Yeah I think um, like the Leinster final I mean it was it was a devastating way to, to, to lose I watched it back during the during the week and um, I mean the go- some of the goal players when the ball ended up in that bottom corner of the Hogan stand you know Joseph grow I think grow back and only had a chance to clear it. Joseph Cooney had it in his hand and they were out on their feet. Um, and you've got to give Kilkenny credit, I suppose, for the, the relentless pressure that they that, that that they put. But but I mean Joe, they must have been gutted coming out of Croke Park. So I think, you know, I saw an interview with Park Mannion, I think, a couple of days afterwards, where he clearly had moved on. And I think that's the value of the experience that's in that Galway, that Galway dressing room. And I think obviously credit to Henry as well. They'd all moved on. You know, it happened. Got to deal with it now. And um obviously you know, there was going to be, I felt, uh, a more battle-hardened Munster team awaiting them in third place for whoever lost the, Len- the Leinster final this year. And credit to Galway, you know, they were up for it. And, you know, you look at Henry, we'll say, for example, OK, he's only into his second year um, in managerial terms, you know, I mean, compared to, we'll say, John Kiley, who's who's into what he's seventh. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of big game experience, I mean, no one arguably has more big game experience than Henry, you know, given the amount of huge matches 
he you know he played in and he got it absolutely tactically spot on um you know in every sense for the Tipperary game because you know obviously they they, they said look at this tip team needs goals to win they absolutely took that away Mannion was sitting so deep um you know up behind his half back line at times that you know everyone else was just touch tight it just meant they just had to break the ball and there was invariably a Galway player plus one there to, to, to kind of pick it up and you know, yeah, they had 18 wides and clearly they should have put that game to bed a long time before before they ultimately did. But they still controlled it and you'd be more concerned, I probably said this to you, you know, before, yeah. if they weren't creating those those yeah. opportunities. Now, clearly, those efficiency levels, you know, they do the same thing at the weekend, they're going to be beat by six points. You know, you can't afford that level of inefficiency against Limerick and more importantly, you know, it's one thing having wides, it's another thing making bad shot decisions in the first place and you know I look back at the Munster final for example and Clare had probably five or six bad decisions on the ball where fellas shot when there were other options on Limerick accounted one you know Cahill O'Neill had a kind of a Hail Mary effort but every one of the other chances that they missed you know the shot was the right decision they just didn't execute it so right. McGollard perspective that's look that's got to be better um, because the margins obviously come down um, you know the closer you get to the, the, the 23rd of July so that won't be good enough but in so many other respects, Joe, um, I, I give Galway a brilliant chance of the weekend because, yeah. you know, I, I look back to ourselves and Tip, for example, you know, we, we obviously beat them in the two games in 97. Um, you know, we didn't play in 98, but 99, you know, Nicky was over and they should have beaten us in the drawing game down in Parky Keeve. We hammered them in the replay, gave a really good performance. But I certainly sense that, look at this crowd are breathing down our necks now and they're getting they're getting closer. Yeah. And they had that real hunger, you know, that we couldn't match them in 2000. And when you look at, you know, this Galway, um, I suppose, Limerick relationship, I mean, obviously there's the Ireland final defeat in, in, in 2018. Um, there's a semi-final in 2020. Um, obviously, there's a semi-final last year. And if you're Galway now, or a Galway player, if you're Dahi Burke or, or Joseph Cooney or Parik Mannion, where... You know, you want that second on Ireland and the clock is ticking on your career. You're certainly into the twilight probably or the latter stages of it. Uh, payback is coming and payback is imminent in terms of, you know, sorting these Limerick boys out. And that's the mentality I think that's going to be in, in, in their dressing room. So, yeah, you know, I, and, and I think, you know, I, I saw signs that look at Nyland. I, I thought, you know, he made some really good decisions late on where he gave the ball to the guy in the better position. Um, I think Kevin Cooney is going to be a good player for them. Uh, you know, Jack Grealish, Darren Morrissey, all these guys now are, are a year further into inter-county careers. Um, and, you know, Limerick minus Finn, minus Hannon, minus maybe Keane Lynch, are they as strong? So there's no reason why Galway should have any doubts about their ability to win the game on uh, on Saturday evening. But they've got to execute and they've got to be more efficient than they were, in, you know, in, in the Getty Crowns two weeks ago. Yes. Paul, who's winning this one-score game then? Um, look, my head at the moment would have to say Limerick just because they've found a result. I'd agree with Jamesy. Galway have an absolutely huge opportunity here and I do think they can go and turn them over. They just need to take a lot more boxes than they did against Tipperary, which they can do. They absolutely can. Their trajectory is headed in the right direction. They've learned a huge lesson since the Leinster final and maybe have that bit more of emotion in the tank now as well. It's a free shot at Limerick, so they have a great chance, but you have to just look at Limerick's results and say they've always found a way over the last while. So I have to say, you know, Limerick by two points. Yeah, there's sort of a degree of until Limerick are beaten, you tip Limerick. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Jamesy, similar kind of vibe for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go for Galway, Joe. I, All right, okay. And I, and I don't say that with any degree of certainty. Um, I mean, what, what's interesting for me is, is you know, do Lim Lim the last two games, uh, the Cork match and the Munster final, the Limerick half forwards just abandoned ship out to midfield or beyond. And um, and it was very much a case of, okay, let's just get this into Galan. Let's keep things tighter. Uh, let's not concede goals. Let's make ourselves very, very hard to break down and then depend on on, on Galan to be the main, you know, focal point um, up front. And um, from a goal perspective, I, I think Dahi Burke is probably better equipped to handle him and handle the space that might be in front of him than maybe Garod, you know. So that that's a big matchup that they've got to they've got to get right. But Hagerty certainly isn't in the form that he was last year. Um Tom Morrissey has been really consistent. Flanagan, Peter Casey, you know, again have been a bit in and out of it. So I think if they hold Galan. Um, I, I give them a great chance um, and if, if they if they take their chances who knows maybe, maybe they do enough to win Well hopefully it lives up to its billing Fellas we're going to take a very short break Paul Murphy James O'Connor staying with us back in just one sec Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling It's anyone's game 
Hurling on Off The Ball. With Bored Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. You're uh, very welcome back. And our hurling coverage is with thanks to Bored Gosh. And they've been uh, uncovering stories to highlight the positive impact hurling has on people's lives. You can uh, check out boredgoshenergy.ie, BGE. GEA, and we should mention as well the hurling pod the Thursday before the All Ireland final are going to be at the Board Gosh Energy Theatre. Will and James Skell and Paul Murphy and special guest Joe Canning. More to be announced off the ball.com forward slash events if you want to go along. Should be a brilliant evening. All the proceeds go to charity as well. So do get involved, do get along, and hurl abuse at Paul Murphy and uh, James Skell and Will. Uh, so we have Kilkenny against Clare once again. Paul, tell us about the Derek Ling that you know. Um, yeah, look, Derek is just, uh, I suppose, when he came into the dressing room, I, I would have very briefly been on a training panel when uh, when Derek was, I suppose, in his prime. And just, like, I mean, the first thing you think of is he's just a gentleman of a fella. He's a great fella. Um, one of the first lads, I suppose, kind of, you know, put the arm around the shoulder to me when I arrived in the dressing room as a 19-year-old to kind of say, listen, go on, enjoy it. That's what we're all here for. A very much relaxed type of fella. Always his demeanour, really, when you're around him. But, you know, particularly for the few years, it was it was never going to be easy to fill the boots of, like, Martin Fogarty and Mick Dempsey and these lads and the influence they had in the dressing room. But, like, Derek was one of those lads that were brought in and he was just, you know, every player just had a great word about him because he had a great ability just... You know, when things were going good or things were going bad, just to pick a few words. And he never spoke too much. It was just the right amount. And, you know, there were some days where you might feel you weren't getting to a few balls and he'd come over and he might say to you, look, you're a different player when you're out in front. You know, you have to hurl from there and don't forget that. And suddenly you just, it would click with you. And the next night you're in with training. So he has this, um, he just has this demeanour about him that players respect him, first of all, of what he's done through the game. But he gives a lot of respect back to players then. Um, you listen when he's talking. He he doesn't. He's not dialed up in that. He's 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 you know over emotional in the dressing room. But he's also not so laid back that you know he's just laissez faire going around. He just strikes it so well. But look, the Derek, the Derek that I know was excellent for me through my career. Anytime you met him afterwards, you know he'd always make time to chat to you. Um, but a very driven fella as well. A fella who's very well organised and. Uh, very thoughtful about the procedures he was putting in place or his plans. So, like, well, I think for every Kilkenny supporter, particularly lads that worked with him, when we heard that he was going in as manager, he just went, that's exactly the perfect fit for Kilkenny. And yeah, he's just an all around great fella. Yeah. Been very struck, James. He, he hasn't tried to mimic Cody in terms of his dealings with the media, even. So, I, I don't get to see behind the curtain, obviously. We just get to see the front facing Ling. But there's been no sense that, well, look, this is how we treat the media in Kilkenny. This is how we do things. So I'm just going to fit that mould. He's been like very approachable, affable, relaxed. Uh, like it's kind of a mature thing to do. He's, he's put his own stamp on that environment very quickly. Yeah, he's his, he's his own man. Um, I mean, again, obviously, like, you know, no more than any, no more than probably than Brian Lohan, you know, Lodnan would have been a massive influence on him. And, you know, Cody would have been a huge influence, obviously, on, on, on Derek managing right throughout his career. So, I mean, obviously, he 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 knows what works for Kilkenny. I mean, and and all the values in terms of the work rate, the honesty, the you know, the doing things the right way and the Kilkenny way. He's obviously going to keep all those things, um, but at the same time, bring you know his own obviously um, experiences and his own you know twist on things as well. And I think the guys he's got with him. I mean, Peter Barry obviously is is more of a contemporary of mind than, than than maybe Michael Rice would have would have been. But I mean, Peter was again a leader, um, a guy who would have been hugely respected in that Kilkenny dressing room. Um, and one of Cody's main generals and go and go to guys. So you know, Derek has other people in his backroom team that have been there, that have done it. Um, that you know, I, I'm sure are, are well able to give plenty of counsel as well. But you've got to be impressed, uh, you know, with what he's done. And certainly the Leinster final, you know, you saw afterwards, you know, what it meant to him. Um, I suppose you saw what it meant to Cody to sit in the stand with the camera when the camera panned him. But all those look at the, the way Kilkenny have played. It's been a seamless transition. Um. And, you know, I think I think the league final, I think, is, you know, there's no better example, Joe, uh, I think, of, of Derek's management than that, because, you know, you just got the sense that it was parked, it was move on. OK, it happened. Let's take the learnings from it. But there was no sense of panic or no sense of dwelling on it. They just moved on. And it was all about, you know, being where they are, Joe, on Sunday in the Ireland semi-final. Um, you know, with their best hurling yard will be in front of them rather than behind them. And that's where they are. And, and you know, he certainly he's done he's done whatever's been expected of him and. I, I'm not surprised that that's that's the way it's worked out for him. You know, he's 
he was that way as a player. He was a guy you respected. He was, you know, top class. Um, a man, a few words with his actions and talking on the pitch. And uh, yeah, he's done a good job. Yeah. So we're all a bit of guilty, a bit guilty, Paul, of scoreboard journalism. So Killian Buckley scores the goal and it's, well, Galway. Write them off now. Like there's no, you know, that's just not good enough. And they're going to struggle now to, to go much further, pick themselves up. Um, Killian Buckley doesn't score that goal. And we're saying, well, Kilkenny, not much of a Leinster championship, lose to Galway. Let's write them off. So unlike Munster, where we have all these games and you can get a real sense of a team, I don't have a great sense of how good Kilkenny are. So how good are Kilkenny? Where are they based on, you know, to leave aside, the, let's imagine the Killian Buckley goal didn't happen. It went a foot wide. What, what are we saying about Kilkenny? Yeah, look, I suppose, um, considering we're at the semi-final stages now, like any team at the start of the year, if you were to ask them, where would you want to be at this stage? You say, first of all, we want to be in a semi-final and we want to be there with our stock rising. Um, if, you're to, if you're to compare it to other teams, if you look at Tip, for example, um, Tipperary were flying it very early on in the league and huge indications there. They weren't really putting a foot wrong. You were saying big indications that these lads could go and win the All-Ireland because you know they really seem to be going really well and even start off in Munster going really well but you'd have to wonder was it a case of peaking too early and I know you know people will sift through the ashes of what happened for Tipperary's year but part of it you maybe would have to look at was they were one of the first teams going really well at the start of the year whereas if you look forward and you look at you know Galway's players Kilkenny's let's say leave Limerick out of it weren't necessarily ticking too well at the start of the league but gradually kind of built into it. I'd absolutely agree with the Leinster final that one puck of a ball, it's kind of crazy that people suddenly write a team off or build a team up with one puck of a ball. Because I was saying it more so on the hurling pod from a from a Galway point of view that, you know, people were writing off Galway straight away and you're going, well, Galway were eight points down at one stage, scored 111 to four points against Kilkenny in a period. That's savage going. And Galway would have been looking at that game to say, you know, we can perform like that when we put our heads to it, but it's not good enough what we're doing against teams, giving them a bit of a run on us. Likewise, I think what Kilkenny will have been happy to do after that Leinster final is say, okay, look, people are distracted by Killian Buckley having scored a goal and we won the game and it's brilliant. And we have the first cup, which is also probably, you know, to a degree important for, for Derek Ling. Like that's done because the narrative could come down the road that, you know, following Cody, you know, when are you going to get your first trophy and so on? So that was nearly a distraction, but I've no doubt that the backroom team, exactly like James has mentioned there, you're Peter Barry's and these lads, these lads set really high standards, Michael Rice, Peter Donovan, these lads, they will have said, yeah, absolutely right. We won the match. Great. Now we have four weeks to prepare in that four weeks we have to dissect what happened here in that 15 minutes where Galway shot the lights out and we didn't stop them. And that's really important to work on because I've no doubt that they wouldn't be coming away going, yeah, we're exactly where we need to be. We won the Leinster final. They're not where they want to be, but they're in an All-Ireland semi-final having won that game regardless what way it came about with people coming back from injury, the likes of Richie Reid and so on. So I think they're in a good place um, and I don't believe that they would have gotten carried away with a last minute goal in, in the Leinster final by thinking that they're a finished quantity and now they can go and win all Ireland. I've no doubt that in those four weeks they will have pulled themselves apart saying, lads, we're here but we need to bring it up another few levels to face this Clare team. Jamesy, I feel like this summer in your sleep you've been muttering Conor Cleary's name. I feel like this is your this is your tossing and turning <laughs> night after night. Um on the injury front, so John Conlon, who missed last year's semi-final as well, that 12-point defeat to Kilkenny, he is supposedly winning his fitness battle. He took that heavy knock to the head, but it seems he's on course to play. Equally, David McInerney, that leg injury, looks like he'll be good to play. But the, the word isn't as positive on Conor Cleary. That shoulder injury is now six weeks old and it seems to be he's still unlikely to be in that fullback line. So you've pretty much pinpointed him throughout as being... Uh, you know, as as important a figure as any. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it'll be seven weeks um, on Sunday, Joe, since okay. he, um, you know, since he hurt it against Corky, three weeks, I think, to the clear off for three weeks. Then obviously it's four weeks since the Munster final. So, yeah, I mean, listen, every every week you'd like to think uh, on, you know, you'd like to think he's he's a week closer to recovery. Now, he arguably has a chance maybe of making it the weekend, but he's still, as I said, shoulders are notoriously complicated. And, you know, it was he was in, you know, serious discomfort going off. So, yeah, we're like likely to be without him. There might be a small chance that he'll he'll feature this absolute 
nothing again out of the out of the camp. Nobody seems to know what the story is. John Connolly thinks he's going to be okay. David McInerney should be okay. Aidan McCarthy has had this quad injury that again just doesn't seem to to to, to have cleared up. So again, I'd imagine he's he, he's he's going to be there thereabouts or marginal call. But Cleary is the one, particularly given the aerial ability um, that Kenny have, uh, Joe. You know, so I mean, I. I, I even thought there was evidence, evidence against Galway at times, and we've seen it maybe all year. To the teams are maybe been a bit more prepared to go direct and go long. And like when you've got TJ on the edge of the square, or Owen Cody, um, or Walter Walsh, all guys that are good in the air, able to win their own ball. Um, that's the one part of the field where I have concerns about how we match up. Um, I mean, Cody obviously is in great form. Uh, you'd imagine that Rory Hayes might be the one tasked with marking uh, with marking him, but TJ is a is a, again another headache because. You know, even even the Leinster final, um, you know, he took off out the fields. Garo McInerney followed him out, and then there's a lot of space inside. We saw Mikey Butler waltzing through on a post, sticking into the back of the net. Um, Killian obviously got the ball in the twenty-one, completely unmarked with space in front of him. So, yeah, I mean, these are these are again the things that are likely to be given Brian Lowe on sleepless nights in terms of you know how he, you know how we hold up at the back because. I mean, at halftime last year, Joe, the game was over. One seventeen to six points. Yeah. Um, you know, that we were outscored one eight to a point in the, the last fifteen minutes of that first half. Um now we were the architects of our own downfall because we got completely away from what we had done well. Uh we kept hitting long, aimless ball into the Kilkenny full back line and Hugh Lawler and as I side just gobbled it up. We had eleven wides, we dropped two into Owen Murphy. The type of stuff that was just dispiriting to watch and it sucked the energy out of the team. But that was then, this is now. And certainly, and I said this to you before, emotionally and physically, last year's Munster final took a huge toll. That's certainly not the case this year. And, you know, we were a hell of a lot better and more impressive two weeks ago against Dublin than we were at the same stage against Wexford when we fell over the line last year. Okay. So um, I think the team is in a much better place. Without Conlon as well, he was a massive loss last year because he's a spiritual leader. He's he's just a great guy. He's a guy that's massively respected within the, within the group. So, you know, we're all, I, I think, I think he's likely to be cleared to play, which is hugely important for us. Um, but yeah, clearly not been there at the edge of the square. Given the weapons Kilkenny have, um, that is the big the big conundrum for me. And if our full back line holds up, and if we, you know, if we if we can hold up there, I, I give us a great chance. But that is that is the worry that given and and, and Kilkenny will know that. Do you know what I mean? Know that listen, there is maybe a vulnerability there. Um, especially if Cleary, Cleary doesn't play. So that's something that, again, that Paul is probably going to, you know, say that Kilkenny have always gone after that in the, in, in the past. They've exploited where the potential weaknesses might have been and, and, and hurt you. Yeah. And, um, and and you can't make mistakes in there or cough up goals if we're have any chance to win. Yeah. What's the flavour, by the way, of the kilkenny Clare rivalry? Either well, there's no great there's, there's no great beef between the teams, Joe. I mean, you know, like we obviously we you know we we play Kilkenny in the league. Even in my time, I mean, you know, there'd been huge respect for Kilkenny, um, but you know, we wouldn't have had the same familiarity, um, yeah. which often breeds contempt that we'd have had with the, with the monster with the monster teams, you know. But I, I, for me, Kilkenny were always the ultimate test. You know, you, you they gave you absolutely nothing. You know, you you had to earn everything you got against them. And in some respects, you weren't respected against, you know, by Kilkenny or Kilkenny hurling people until you did it against them in a big game, you know, and 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 that's that's maybe the way it should be. So like there's massive respect for them down down here. And, and there's nobody under any illusions in Clare as to how tough this is going to be. I mean, we saw that last year, you know, when we had went up to Croke Park with massively high expectations and came away pretty dispirited. But, you know, at the same time, you know, our lads have given us, you know, a couple of great years and we've yeah. had a great summer with them. And there's a feeling that, look, they're in a good place. They've worked very, very hard. And we're just hoping that they they play, you know, to, to their to the best of their ability. And if they do that, um, I, I think we're not going to be too far away. You know, this is, this is a good team. We've got good players. We've got good forwards. You know, we can hurt you. And certainly against Dublin, there were a lot of positives in terms of the goal chances that we created up front, the way we moved the ball. Um and if you know if we can get back to that and do what we did well and what got us to where we were this time last year, not get away from it, uh, I, I think we've a fighting chance. Oh yeah, I would think everyone thinks that. I mean, even Munster final, you, free at the end should have been given like it should have been a drawn game against Limerick, who were, were and it were, shouldn't have come, it shouldn't have come down to that joke. No, you know, it, it shouldn't. I mean, we you know we we uh, we twelve wides, we dropped yeah. seven into Ginty Nicky Quay, we were often five in long range frees. You know, you can you can't do that in a big game of that magnitude and expect to win. Paul, what's the Kilkenny perspective generally like? I don't just mean this year, but generally when it comes to Clare, like complete irrelevance. 
<laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say irrelevance, but certainly, like Jamesy said, we just don't have the tradition down at the years of meeting. Like, yeah. absolutely, Kilkenny and Clare have played in All Ireland finals, and uh, you know, I was at it in two thousand and two, and you know, particularly the likes of the, the great teams that Jamesy played in. It was always a great mark for the Kilkenny teams when they were able to beat them. You know, and there was maybe a. I suppose a small bit of a change in the guard after 95 and 97 and then the likes of Henry and these lads come along so there certainly was battles down the years but not so much in in, in recent years so there's yeah. not that contempt but you know like there is another test for players here in that it's easy in some ways for Clare and Limerick to get up for each other or for Kenny and Tipperary to get up for each other but when that vacuum isn't is, is, the, is present where you know you're playing for yourself here that's what Clare and Kenny are going to do you have to perform for yourself in this match and don't look to be fueled by a contempt for another team. Um, we would have had great battles down over the years or at different times with the Clare lads. But yeah, it, it is certainly one of those, um, I suppose one of those matchups, not rivalries, but one of those matchups that there's not a lot to point to in the past no. where you know, you'll have lads sitting in the stand saying, remember this time, yeah. remember that time. You nearly have to go back to, to you know the likes of your 2002 or so on to, 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 to bring that up. Yeah, it's funny. I, so you, I don't have this burst of, of images from the last thirty years when you when you say Kilkenny Clare. It's just not there. So I, like, I don't feel if you're trying if you're slogging through the mud and some of the Kilkenny players are using Tipperary jerseys to motivate them. I don't ever. I don't feel. I feel like Clare jerseys were well down the list of what was preoccupying you in the winter time. Is what I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, Clare jersey would have been an absolutely fine jersey to wear to a, a training match because it wasn't a case of you were wearing a Tipperary jersey in Nolan Park and a lad started giving out to you or whatever, you know. So, yeah. um, no, there wasn't that. But certainly I remember when, when, when Clare won in 2013, we went down and played him in Ennis in 2014. And we I think it was the first game actually that year. So it was very much like a homecoming for the Clare team. We Like, you know, we clapped him out into the pitch and all. And they, I, I remember, though, in that match, there was a particular kind of a contempt in it because it was clear now going on the next step to go we can go in 2014 final here but here are you know the 2012 champions coming up and a good marker for us and there was there, you know there's serious bite in those games and mm. we played them in a relegation final a few years ago but yeah like there's not uh, there wouldn't be that familiarity of we meet them every single year and always at a big time and that you know so I'm sure from Clare's side that would be the same but nevertheless look that poses its own challenge in itself and I don't think either team if you're in all Ireland semi-final to an extent a lot of that goes out the window yeah. because the reward everyone will be looking at is going we can go to an all Ireland final here if we win it and that's almost the different angle that this game takes more than any other game that preceded it you're now one step away from an All-Ireland so you can you can feed off your hatred for another team or you can do whatever you want but if the motivation isn't there in the first place to go and perform because the biggest prize is at stake well you should probably be looking in the mirror anyway at that case No fair point semi-final supersedes any rivalry I would think in the main so um, final word from you both then Jamesy we're not going to have a 12-point defeat. I think everybody feels it's a much closer affair, whichever way it goes. How do you see it going? Yeah, I think, um, look, for me, uh, you know, I, I think defensively, you know, we, 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 that's the question. You know, can we hold up? Can we contain Cody? You know, um, obviously TJ, you know, Mossy Keown, if he plays, and Tom Phelan, again, is a guy that has, has, has serious wheel, serious pace. Uh, you know, can we contain that Kilkenny attack? And I mean, even even Joe going back to the Galway match in, in Nolan Park in the in the round robin. I mean, Galway at half time it appeared that Galway had hurled Kilkenny off the field, and Kilkenny were still a point up. Yeah. You know, they've that unbelievable ability that even when they're not going well to stay in the fight, stay in the game, manufacture freeze, keep the scoreboard ticking over. So I, I just think that if if we can, you know, nullify the 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 the, the threat up front, particularly in, from a goal perspective, and if we can be more efficient. Um, I, I give us a great chance. If I was a betting man, Joe, I still put my money on Kilkenny. I mean, you look at you know you look at the standard two twenty six from Ashes Ireland final. They were right there with Limerick, a Limerick team who played really well on the day. Um, you know, heading to the last five minutes. So, so I think Kilkenny deservedly um, are favourites. But I think if Clare bring their best off, and you know, Clare arguably you know should have learned more than Kilkenny did from last year's game in terms of their use of the ball, in terms of, we'll see, even the matchups, you know, Mikey Butler, you'd assume, will again tag Tony Kelly. Um, you know, where would Clare play him this year? Maybe they get him out to centre forward, maybe bring Mikey Butler to midfield and um, find a way to get Tony more more involved early um, early on. So I give Clare a great chance. If I'm a betting man, I'm still probably favouring Kilkenny. Okay, interesting. Paul, where are you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm tipping Kilkenny as well, um, and I don't feel it's my heart taking over my head either. I just feel that 
Uh, again, we can, we didn't learn a whole lot from Clare last year in the game. Uh, there's still a question mark over what was it exactly that 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 had them flat in that game. And exactly as James said earlier, did so many things that we just didn't associate with Clare last year, shooting from distance when there was other options inside and a few different things. So, you know, there's there's a few things we have still has question marks over Clare from last year. But Kenny. Like I'm happy where they are. They, they absolutely need to improve on the Leinster final if they want to go and beat this Clare team, and that is an important thing to say as well. The few injuries as well, it's tough for Clare. Like I hope they, I hope that every player you know is is fit uh, on Sunday for Clare because you want both teams to go at it hammer and tongs here, and 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 there'd be no question marks at the, at the 70 minutes. I think it's tough for Cleary because I've had shoulder injuries previously. They're not easy to come back from. You know, you could be 95 percent think you're there. And you go out and you puck a ball and the shoulder drops a small bit and it's just it's just not an easy um, injury to come back from. So yeah. the fact that they have a the few injuries, look, Adrian Mullins missing, but Adrian Mullins was missing for the Leinster final as well. And Kilkenny showed that they had the few players to come on. You know, Walter Welch coming on, I think, scoring about 1-4 off the bench. So there's, you know, there was just the indications were there that um, I think Kilkenny have blooded a few extra players this year that they can use and maybe cut the cloth to measure against the Clare team. But... I do think this Clare team are going to perform. And if you see the likes of Tony Kelly, considering he didn't score last year in the match uh, from play, that if he goes out and scores early on, you'll feel the Clare crowd rising to that, that this is a different day that we have in our hands. So I do think Kenny will see that as important, not necessarily to replicate last year and keep him scoreless, but certainly get Kilkenny into the game early on before Tony Kelly most likely scores in the game. The likes of Shane O'Donnell, four points last year from play, even though some people would consider it a quiet game for him. So they have so many areas where they can improve and I believe they will improve. Um, And I do see this just coming down to a very, very tight margins again. But I just feel that, you know, did Kilkenny just have that small bit at the moment, maybe small bit more on the bench to come in and and keep that arm's distance at the final whistle. So I'd be giving it by Kilkenny by just one or two points. Yeah. Uh, well, look, we can't ask for better than that, fellas, can we? Two semi-finals, and we're saying probably one-score games here. I mean, buckle up and enjoy it, and you could wreck your head trying to predict it with too much definity, it seems. So, and it's been and it's been the best. It's been the best weekend of the whole year, Joe. You know, the Saturday Sunday. I mean, yeah. we've had some cracking. You know, I mean, I remember the the you know when Claire drew with Galway, whatever. Um, you know, and it was a fantastic game, and I then. Know. I think it was a Cork Limerick on the Sunday, you know, surpassed it. It was, it was a, a true epic yeah, as well. You almost so, want yeah. like the week to digest the Saturday and suddenly it's Sunday and you're into the next yeah. one, you know, it's that kind of... Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's interesting as well, just in terms of who wins on Saturday, and you know, mm. just from Paul's perspective, because he was in a lot more uh, alert semi-finals than I did. But, um, you know, just like if Galway win, you know, I mean, how, how you know, in, it's in the back of your mind, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you don't have to face I mean, Limerick in the final, almost extra incentive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, I mean, and, and like from a Clare perspective, you know, either way, you know, if they were to win, it's 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 a local derby, you know, north, north or south of us. So um, and there'd be huge hype down here. So, yeah, just, just another angle to, to what hopefully would be a great weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, fellas, enjoy it. Uh, Paul, thank you. And uh, thank you to the Hurling Pod for lending us uh, to you. Appreciate it. No problem at all. And Jamesy, as ever, pleasure. Thanks so much, fellas. Cheers, Joe. Hurling on Off the Ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.